Hello and welcome to a juicy second episode of season three. This is Soul Notification and I'm your host, Mary. I'm kind of sick right now, but I couldn't wait to get this episode out to you. I just felt very called. And so today I want to talk about the soul's desire to change, adapt and experience new things. I've probably gone through like, I don't know, 10 major initiations in this lifetime. And on top of that, I feel like I live about three lives per year because of how much I transform, meaning that I love to be fluid in my identity, not gripping on one way of living, but rather expressing myself in however my soul wants to emerge. Now, this may not be you because you might be comfortable with who you are and don't really like change, but for the most part, it's almost impossible not to, right? Because we grow up, we meet new people, we go through different stages of life, and sometimes we shift back to our old selves, maybe taking skills we learned in the past and integrating them in a new way in our present moment. The things I wanted back then as single Mary are not the same things that I want today as a married woman. So this podcast for me is like my spiritual diary that I share with you. I listen back to old episodes being reminded of what I was going through during that time and recognizing how much I've grown, but also how much left there is to learn in this lifetime as Mary, the avatar as a human. And so we think back in our past relationships, right? Whether that's friendships or ex-lovers and who we were then, the music we listened to, our hobbies that we may not practice as much today. Maybe your way of living took a 180 and it's all fun and experimental because we're allowed to change. That's the beauty of life. We get to create, we get to be who we want to be. And from a human design standpoint, you could be so sure of who you are and carry that on for the rest of your life but for someone like me and if you're on this path you're probably the same because you know there's more to who you are and it can be very very challenging navigating through these obstacles of change how many of us grew up in a family where we were molded and conditioned to be a certain way that didn't feel authentic to us right? God bless you if you're lucky enough to have the freedom of self-expression. And that's not to blame our parents because we can have compassion for how they were raised, which ultimately passed on to us, but we're here to stop the generational trauma. We're doing this work so we don't make the same mistakes in the future. We're here to introduce new ways of existing with integrity as our sovereign self. And sometimes we have to be the first to pave the path for those around us. Maybe you already started and to make an impact doesn't even mean to just shower your loved ones with spiritual truths and attack them with your opinions about why what you believe is more true or right than their own judgments. We know that that doesn't work. The best way to impact them positively is to embody those teachings and get them to be curious. Be so fully devoted in your growth that they question why in the world you're so happy all the time or how you're able to process your emotions in a healthy manner without getting defensive or attacking. Because all egos want to be is right and feel superior and even sometimes inferior and adopt a victim consciousness because 
they think that's where their power lies. And then here you come chiming in with this big smile on your face, right? Knowing that the world you see is what you created and the world that others see is what they created. Physically, we are all living on the same planet, but our level of consciousness differ. My perception of something may not be the same as yours. So what reality you live in really depends on how you want to look at it. You can look at a world full of hatred, sin, and war. And this is an extreme example, and I'm not denying that wars and crimes aren't happening in the world, but you can also look at it as if people have just lost their way, got lost in the ego strive for power and specialness. So instead, you source from compassion and grace rather than blame and attack. That rather than perpetuating the anger and hatred in your mind, you fill it with loving awareness and forgiveness that they know not what they do. So this is a downturn of what your reality can feel like when you don't give yourself permission to grow or adapt to healthier ways of living. There's a fire inside of you knowing it's meant for more, that maybe you're too good for the relationship that you're in now because it's keeping you in a box. Maybe it's your career. Maybe you've lost who you truly are under the masks that you wear in your friend circles. And if this is you, the question to really contemplate on is, what are you afraid of? Because if it's judgments from other people, then you're going to be hiding and suffering for a long time. Other people's judgments, as we know now, after doing so much work on ourselves, are based on their own projections. And so if you let a bunch of words take over your truth, you're going to be dimming yourself from a lot of opportunities and divine experiences in your life. How can you show love and compassion when others attack you or when you feel triggered? By recognizing that the only way to change your reality is by internally shifting your perception that no one else is responsible for you feeling fulfilled and happy but yourself. We have to take it up upon our own hands. That the only way to truly, quote-unquote, save the world is by your embodiment of the divine. Don't think for a second that if you judge others to make yourself feel right or feel special or superior, which we do that to make ourselves feel better unconsciously all of the time, that you're going to be set free. No judgment leaves their source. The way you judge others is the way you judge yourself. And those words aren't going to just latch onto the other and liberate you. You now hold yourself in judgment along with the other person or situation. So be radically present and observe your thoughts, especially during the moments when you're so triggered. Your emotions are your body's reaction to your thoughts. So pay close attention if the thoughts you're believing are the ones you want to keep or give power to. That's what I mean about freedom and divine self-expression. That to genuinely stay connected to your heart center, your soul's reflection, is to continue to live from love, compassion, and forgiveness, knowing that you can only express your truth by holding no judgments about yourself or anyone else. That's when true beauty starts to emerge and you start to glow from the inside out. You become magnetic and attract the right people in your life who's going to assist in your awakening, embodiment, and ascension. That's the kind of life you want to live in and the reality you want to stay and grow in. Not the surface level, I am my job or role in the world. You are beyond that. You are not your name nor your social status. 
You're not the amount of money you make, nor your relationship. You are the divine. And so allow yourself to expand in the myriad of ways God wants to express through you. Do not limit what God can do through you. You have many windows of opportunities to evolve and create. And so say yes to what feels true for you. Permit yourself to not be attached to one way of being because you are so much bigger and complex than that. You don't have to wait until you're on your deathbed to suddenly want to change and realize you're not the ego. We are constantly going through deaths and rebirths in this life and there may be more to go, but all it takes is one moment to reach that stillness where you are at peace. That no matter how much your personality or the outside world changes, it can still be a fun experience to observe because who you really are is the eternal self that's existed before any label limited you. That this is all a fun short life, a blip in the magnitude of existence for your soul to evolve and awaken. So embrace your humanity and adapt to the seasons of life with fun and excitement knowing that nothing can threaten your divine nature. I like to end this podcast with a section in the chapter, A Window of Opportunity, in the book Walking Each Other Home by Ram Dawes. And it says, We can see death as a gift. We don't usually see it this way, but awareness of death changes our lives fundamentally. It helps us know how to live. And as Yogananda said, There is a great paradox in death. It is an experience through which we are meant to learn the lesson that we cannot die. What does that mean we can't die? Lucian asks. This body you live in and the ego that identifies with it are just like the old family car, Ramdas answers. They are functional entities in which your soul travels through your incarnation. But when they are used up, they die. The most graceful thing to do is to just allow them to die peacefully and naturally. After death, the soul will live on. Eventually, in some incarnation, when you finished your work, your soul will merge back into the One, back into God, back into the Atman, the Infinite. In the meantime, your soul is using bodies, egos, and personalities to work through the karma of each incarnation. Lucian asks, If the soul lives forever, why are we afraid of death? The ego is built on the fear of not surviving. And if that's who you think you are, you're fearful. The ego asks, Why not live for the moment? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you will die. But if instead you live in the moment, being here now, discovering the preciousness of life in each moment, then you are living not as an ego, but as a soul outside of time. Ramdas tells the story of the wild strawberry. One day, while walking through the wilderness, a man stumbled upon a vicious tiger. He ran but soon came to the edge of a high cliff. He looked over the cliff and there at the bottom was another tiger. Desperate to save himself, he saw a vine and climbed down the fatal precipice, looking for a place to hold on. As he hung there, two mice appeared from a hole in the cliff and began gnawing on the vine. 
Suddenly, he noticed on the vine a plump, ripe, wild strawberry. He plucked it and popped it in his mouth. It was incredibly delicious. The man knew that he was about to die and that there was nothing else he could do about it. The strawberry was his last chance to enjoy life. So instead of wasting his last moments in fear and frustration, he took that pleasure he could and made the best of it. Ramdas sips his tea for a while as we reflect on that story. It is the essence of being here now, both the story and the tea drinking. Then he continues. That's the whole predicament of living and dying. You are always, at every moment, between tigers and holding on to a vine that is being eaten away. And right here is always the strawberry and its sweetness. In the moment, there is only the taste of the strawberry. You can be enjoying the strawberry unless you're busy being panicked about what just happened or what's going to happen. The secret of dying is the secret of living, which is to be in the present moment. At the moment of dying, if the pain is great and you are busy pushing it away, you will be totally preoccupied with the pain or your fear of the unknown for yourself or your loved ones can get so great that you miss the known in the moment. All the preparation for dying is to that as the time of dying comes, you can say, my goodness, look at that. Extraordinary. Ah, the body's going. How interesting. And here we are, and here we are. So good. I highly recommend the book Walking Each Other Home by Ram Dass and Mirabi Bush. Now is the time to remember, you guys. Your true essence existed as the loving presence that was here and now before this body came to being. And if this is who you are, then this must be who your brother is. Oceans of blessings and lots of love. Namaste. Namaste.